0: Welcome back to the Hemingway List Year of War and Peace for Book 1, Chapter 20. Uh, oh my God, I feel very silly. I feel very silly. I, um, you guys probably know I run a program called Launchpad. It's a school program. I have an email for Launchpad and I haven't checked it because it's uh, the summer holidays here. So, you know, not expecting any emails to come through Launchpad. Also, I usually get a notification if an email comes through to that website, uh, to that launch, to that uh, email. But two things: I haven't bothered to check because it's school holidays, and also I haven't been getting notifications on that email because in December I got a new phone, and I never bothered to um, like log log in on that account on my new phone. So the notifications aren't there. Anyway, today I thought I should probably check the Launchpad website uh, email. So I opened it up and saw that um, I completely forgot. But when I set up the Patreon for the Hemingway list, I used that email. And I've got a bunch of new Patreons, and I never said thanks because I never realized that I had you guys. So since the start of the year, I've had uh, five new Patreons. Emma, Chelsea, Samantha, Gemma, and Sean. Guys, thank you so much for uh, the support and for jumping on. And also, big news, that means that if I'm not mistaken, and I go to patreon.com slash the Hemingway list, if I'm not mistaken, um, I can't spell it right. Okay, now I've spelled it right we have passed $50 per month. We're now on $53 per month from my 14 patrons. So thank you all, everyone who's a subscriber. And our first goal was that if I'm earning more than $50 per month, I will translate five chapters per week of the Bogan, War and Peace. So I think I'm pretty close to actually hitting that goal. I know in the last week or two I haven't well, for the year, I've done 15, and we're 21 days in, so nearly. I'm pretty close. Anyway, guys, that's all beside the point. My, my main point is to say thank you to the new Patreons, and I'm really sorry that I didn't thank you uh, like a week ago, or at the start of the year when you when you joined up. I completely ignored you. That was not intentional. Massive thanks. Massive appreciation to you guys for doing that. If you want to support the podcast in the same way, go to patreon.com slash the Hemingway list. The next target is $100 per month. We get some more patrons when we get to that. Then the goal is to translate one chapter per day. Now, that was my New Year's resolution anyway, and I have already fallen behind on that. Um, As I said, I've done 15 so far this year, and it's the 21st of January, so I've slipped behind. But hey, um, that's the next goal Alright guys, let's get into the reading, uh, the discussion. Whew, what a grim chapter. That was the first discussion prompt. What was your standout moment of this chapter, and what are Vasily and Katish doing? Vasily and Katish sneaking off, doing something, sneaking back. and Cube said, probably something shitty like the shitty people they are. You're not wrong. Real Skydiver said, so... And this is a good way to phrase this. So without Anna's meddling, Pierre might not have oh sorry, Pierre might have been cheated out of his inheritance. She might not be so bad after all, even if she did it mostly so her son can get some of it. Hope we get to see who inherits what after all. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Anna's meddling, is she trying to steal the inheritance away from the rightful owners, or is she trying to steal it for the rightful owner? I guess that's a point of contention. It's uh, up to your own opinion. But, yeah, I don't know. Anna's meddling. Anna's meddling. (laughs) She does do a lot of meddling. I think she's one of my favourite characters in this book. Literature fans said, for me, the one part which stood out the most was the moment when the Count looked down at his helpless arm... As they tried to move him and he smiled, it brings back painful memories of watching some of my loved ones wither away in hospital. You reach the point, thinking they are just a shell of themselves until they do something small like a smile or anything which gives you hope the person you know and love is somewhere still inside and aware. It's a grim chapter, but also very moving to read it and relate to what Pierre must be feeling at that given moment. Oh, it is a grim chapter. And that moment you mentioned when he kind of laughs at his own helplessness. Yeah, that is a hard-hitting moment. Involuntary Darkness said, It is my thinking that Anna Mikhailovna sees Pierre as an easy pawn to get what she wants, money." money. We clearly see that Pierre is quite the lost puppy at the Count's home, and in this situation, he doesn't know what to do, what to say, how to behave, isn't familiar with how the home is run, the people running it, or otherwise. He seems eager to make the best of this situation with his father and it leaves him a blank slate for Anna's motives. Perhaps she feels that if she assists him through this difficult time, that he will reward her once he inherits the Count's estate. We shall see who it goes to. Zukov 17 said, Summary Pierre enters the Count's room where they are performing the final rituals. It's a weird scene heightened by when Pierre spies Vasily and Ketish whispering in the corner and slipping out the back door. That thought is quickly raised when Pierre notices how actually close to death the Count is. He cries quietly to himself. Pierre is sobered here by it all. He's been aloof, numb, distant, detached, whatever it may be, but now he sees his father will indeed die. It is real. Since... Back from Europe to backwards Russia, he's been living an inauthentic existence of high society soirees, wild nights of drunken debauchery and dreams of Napoleon. None of it matters when he sees his all-powerful father dying on a bed and where Pierre was once a moon, loosely moving around the other pieces of his galaxy, kept in check by his father's gravity, he's now becoming the centre of it all. If he doesn't have the gravity to keep it in check, the whole edifice will spiral. Whoa. Twisted Every Way says, Oh, Pierre, such a lost little boy. What a contrast from his forwardness and bombast at Anna Pavlovna's party. So Vasily and Katish move toward the bed. I'm guessing they were checking the bed pillow for the folder slash portfolio with the will. Definitely hoping these two don't succeed. Greyboff said, Definitely super grim. Not much to add except that this part made me feel really sad. When Pierre came up, the Count was gazing straight at him, but with a look, the significance of which could not be understood by mortal men either. This look meant nothing, but that as long as one has eyes, they must look somewhere. Or it meant too much. The Qureshi says, The no-memes rule prevents me from posting a hot one in r slash memes today with girls looking at the camera and the text, point of view, you're rich and about to die. <laughs> I didn't know there was a no memes rule here on A Year of War and Peace. There's definitely not a no memes rule over at the Hemingway list, though. If you want to post your memes there, you're more than welcome to. R slash the Hemingway list. I guess it's kind of like a... Well, at the moment, it's a bit of a dead subreddit because we're all over here on this sub. But, um, or well, you know, I'm a moderator here at A Year of War and Peace. Surely I can do something to get rid of that no memes rule because I remember in year one when I was very active here I really loved it when people would post a meme on the page you know I don't think that detracts from any daily conversation or anything like that maybe we should look into um, repealing that rule okay I think um, should I read a few more comments Mr. Mrap23 said this chapter really enforces my hope that when it is my time to go, I go peacefully in my sleep. What a nightmare it would be to have to go through what Pierre does, especially at a fairly young age. Oh man, this is grim. <laughs> this is grim. And my Jack said this, So far, I am amazed with how much Tolstoy makes me feel for every single character. I'm really glad he decided to show just how confused, this might not be the right word, Pierre is by the situation. He sees how everyone is in grief and finds and i'm sorry and kind of feels the same way but also finds it hard to express it as he is bezikov's illegitimate son he really doesn't know this man so well i feel like the moment where everyone leaves pierre and he still cannot hold on to an interaction with his dying father but needs assistance and reassurance from anna really sets that for me the moment where pierre really gets hit by the realization that his father is dying is when i knew i'll get emotional the simplicity of the scene where his father drops his hand and then smiles at Pierre is where my heart broke. The short and simple showcase of Pierre's sudden vulnerability interrupted by Anna only to end a chapter is such an amazing way to show off what the character is going through with as little word, words as possible, and I hope to only see more of it. You know, the shame of it is that with... um with the Count about to die and I don't think it's any great spoiler to say that he's going to die you know he's had what about a hundred strokes by now Um, is that he does seem like a really interesting character and you kind of wish that you got to know him a bit more as one of the characters of the book because we never really get to meet the Count do we? Not in his uh... certainly not at his best we see him he can barely even manage a smile we know Pierre's his favorite <clears throat> and I mean Pierre's our favorite too I'm sure a lot of people share that opinion so um, we, we kind of want to know what, what he sees in Pierre you know we want to see Pierre through his eyes we want to see who he, who he is as well as a person and it's a shame we never really get to do that alright here we go I'm going to read you now chapter 24 and Lewis style here we go The reception room was now cleared out, except for Prince Vasily and the eldest princess, who were sitting under the portrait of Catherine the Great. Whatever they were discussing, they were really getting into it. Until they spotted Pierre and his guide, then they went silent, real quick. Pierre was sure he saw the princess hide something as she whispered, nosy old bitch alert. Katish has organised some tea in the small drawing room, said Prince Vasily to Anna Mikhailovna. Go and get yourself a cup, you poor thing, or you'll collapse in a heap. He didn't say anything to Pierre, just gave his arm a sympathetic squeeze below the shoulder. Pierre followed Anna Mikhailovna into the small drawing room. Tell you what, there's nothing better after a sleepless night than a nice cup of Russian tea, Lorraine was saying, making an effort to restrain his enthusiasm as he stood sipping tea from a delicate Chinese cup. The kind with no handle at a table with tea and cold supper on it. All those who were at Count Bezikov's that night had gathered around this table to revive themselves. Pierre remembered this little round drawing room with its mirrors and small tables. Whenever there was a ball thrown at the house, Pierre would hang out in this little round room to avoid having to dance, preferring to watch the ladies pass through in their ball dresses with diamonds and pearls around their bare shoulders, stopping to check themselves out in the mirrors, their reflections cast all around the room. Now the room was dimly lit by two candles, there was a messy table of tea things and supper dishes, and a bunch of glum bastards sitting around in the middle of the night, whispering somberly, and with every word and action, showing that they hadn't forgotten the terrible thing going on in the bedroom. Pierre didn't eat anything, though he wanted to real bad. He looked to his guide for clues, and saw that she was tiptoeing back to the reception room where Prince Vasily and the eldest princess had been. Pierre figured that this was again an essential occurrence, and soon after he followed her. He found Anna Mikhailovna standing with the princess. They were whispering to each other excitedly. "'How about you let me be the judge of what is necessary and what isn't?' said the younger of the two speakers. Clearly she was all worked up again. Pierre feared she might even slam another door. "'But my dear princess, answered Anna Mikhailovna blandly but impressively, blocking the door to the bedroom to stop the princess getting in. Don't you reckon this will be too much for poor uncle? He just needs to feel at ease. His soul is to be... His soul is all prepared and we can't go bothering him with such a heavy conversation now. Prince Vasily was sitting in an easy chair in his usual state, one leg crossed over the other, his cheeks, which were flabby, and heavy, were twitching violently. He seemed not to care what the ladies were saying. Come on, Anna Mikhailovna, let Ketich do what she wants. You know the Count loves her company. I don't even know what these papers are, said the younger of the two ladies, addressing Prince Vasily and gesturing to the portfolio she held in her hand. All I know is that his real will is in his writing desk, and this one here, it's rubbish, something he's forgotten all about. She tried to get past Anna Mikhailovna again, who used her belly to bounce her back. I know, my dear, sweet princess, said Anna Mikhailovna, grabbing onto the portfolio with vice like fingers. Sweetheart, I really must insist, have some sympathy for the poor fellow. Je vous en conjure. The princess did not reply other than to say, <coughs> For several seconds, the only sounds audible or those of two women struggling over a portfolio. It was clear that if the princess did speak, it wouldn't be to say something nice about Anna Mikhailovna. The latter, though she gripped the portfolio tenaciously, did not change her syrupy tone of voice as she spoke. "'Pierre, come here, love. Pierre, Pierre won't be out of place in a family meeting, right, Prince Vasily?' "'Fucking say something, cousin.' shrieked the princess so loud that everyone in the drawing room was startled by it why are you just sitting there when this nosy old bitch won't mind her own business she's making a scene right on the door of this poor dying man and oh, fuck off your slag she hissed viciously tugging violently at the portfolio but Anna Mikhailovna shuffled forward a step or two and kept hold of the portfolio she shifted her grip Prince Vasily got up fuck's sake he said losing his patience this is stupid ''Let go, both of you.'' ''The princess let go.'' ''And you too?'' But Anna Mikhailovna wasn't having a bar of that. ''Bloody, let go. I'll take responsibility for it. I'll go in myself and ask him. Me, satisfied?'' ''But Prince,'' said Anna Mikhailovna, ''he's just had such a beautiful sacrament. Let him have some peace. Here, Pierre, tell them what you think,'' said she, turning to the young man who had moved quite close to the situation.'' He was gazing dumbstruck at the furious face of the princess, who had fully cracked it, and at the twitching cheeks of Prince Vasily. Sure, speak up, Pierre, said Prince Vasily, severely. But remember, you are responsible for whatever you say, so don't fuck it up. Fucking scumbag shouted the Princess, and she rushed Anna Mikhailovna and snatched the portfolio from her. Prince Vasily bent his head and spread out his hands, At this moment, that terrible door, which Pierre had been keeping an eye on all along and which usually opened so quietly, burst open and banged against the wall, and the second of the three sisters came out having some kind of a hissy fit. the fuck are you guys doing? He's dying in there, and you leave me alone with him?' Her sister dropped the portfolio. Anna Mikhailovna swooped down and nabbed it, and with the object of contention firmly in her possession, she ran into the bedroom." The eldest princess and Prince Vasily took a second to compose themselves, then they followed her into the bedroom. A few slow minutes passed, then the eldest sister came out, her face was white as a ghost, again she was biting her lip. She saw Pierre and her face morphed into one of pure hatred. You can start celebrating now, she said. This is what you've been waiting for? She burst into tears, chucking a full wobbly, and ran from the room with her face hidden in her hanky. Prince Vasily came staggering out. Next, he dropped down beside Pierre on the sofa and covered his face with his hand. He looked pale. Pierre noticed and was shaking like he had a fever. Ah, mate, said he, taking Pierre by the elbow. And there was a kind of weakness and sincerity to his voice that Pierre had never noticed before. How shitty we can be. Lying, deceiving. And for what? I'm nearly sixty, mate, and I will... Well, we all... We'll end up the same way. Death is fucked. And he burst into tears. Anna Mik- Mikhailovna came out last. She moved quietly and slowly to Pierre. Pierre, she said. He gave her an inquiring look. She kissed the young man on his forehead. He felt her wet tears. Then after a pause, she said, I'm afraid he's cactus. Pierre looked at her over his specks. Come on, I'll come with you. Cry if you can. You'll feel better if you do. She led him into the dark drawing room. Pierre was glad no one could see his face. Anna Mikhailovna left him, and when she came back, he was fast asleep with his head on his arm. The next morning, Anna Mikhailovna said to Pierre, No doubt this is a big loss for all of us, especially for you, but trust in God, you are young, and now you are also, hopefully, in charge of a massive fortune. The will hasn't been opened yet. I know you. You won't be changed by any of this, but still it will come with responsibilities for you. So you'll need to be a man. Pierre was silent. I might tell you about it later, but if I wasn't there, God knows what would have happened. You know, Uncle was saying just yesterday that he promised not to forget Boris, but he just ran out of time. I hope, sweetheart, that you'll make good on your father's wish. Pierre was lost. He had no idea what was happening. He started to blush and silently looked at Anna Mikhailovna. After talking with Pierre, Anna Mikhailovna returned to the Rostovs and went to bed. The next morning, she told the Rostovs and everyone else all about Count Bezukhov's death. She said it was a poignant and touching experience and that when it was her time, she'd be okay to die in the same way. She struggled to recount the last moments between Pierre and his father as it brought her to tears every time, she couldn't say who she was more impressed with, the father, who remembered everyone and everything, and had spoken such pathetic words to, her, to the son, or Pierre, whom it was so tragic to watch trying to hide his grief, so as not to sadden his dying father. It's awful, but in a way, it does you good. It uplifts you, seeing such good blokes as the old count and his worthy son, she said. She found it much easier to speak about the oldest princess and Prince Vasily, backhandedly slagging them off in gossipy whispers, as if revealing a great secret. All right, there we go. One Count Bezikov is gone, and it looks like a new Count Bezikov is stepping up in our young man Pierre. Hope you enjoyed that chapter. Have your say about it over on the subreddit. By the way, just a reminder, the Hemingway List is on Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, patreon.com slash the Hemingway List. You can donate as much or as little as you wish. um, And uh, that helps keep the podcast going. Big thanks for that. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.